You won't use this message because you're a cowardly, spineless piece of shit. You're a lying, lip-tarted bastard, Jesse Dollarmore, you fat fucking garbage piece of shit. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Episode 427 by Dada with Dollamore. Welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. I am your circus master, <laughs> Jesse Dollamore, and I am joined by another circus master. That is pathetic. Brittany Page. I, well, I, I, I am pathetic. I want to start out by saying that <laughs> I feel very left out of the initial drop that started the show. Um, he only mentioned you. Yeah, as oftentimes is the case. And I feel like that was very sexist of him to leave me out. Um, you believe that you're as 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 uh, equally a libtarded bastard. Yeah, I'm just as deserving of that criticism as you are. And how dare you, sir, leave me out uh, of the scorn? Yes, yeah, I well. deserve it too. So let me have it as well. If you did uh, videos on YouTube, mm-hmm. you would likely get uh, dealt in on the scorn and the hatred. Yeah, I, I actually saw a tweet and they did some research comparing the comments that women receive versus what men receive on YouTube. Huh. And they found that women do receive more negative comments than men on YouTube. Really? However, they get more comments overall compared to men. So oh, oh. yeah, they just get more attention, period. More negative attention <laughs> and more attention, period. Yeah. So I, I think you notice that in like the screenshots of like Philip DeFranco always has a sexy woman in the screenshot of his yeah, video. Yeah, yeah. There's like surreptitious ways that they are able to uh, get your attention and get you to click on that video. And typically, it's just put a Kardashian face That's up there, right. looking all sultry. And you're like, "Ooh, what's what's gonna be on this video?" Yeah, it's the well, it's kind of the platform of the 15 year old boy. Mm, you know mm-hmm. what? boobs yeah. mm, <laughs> let me click on that video exactly <laughs> exactly i try not to do that usually it's my dumb face uh-huh and well usually it's just my dumb face well maybe you, that's why yeah i don't have millions of people following me on the on the youtube well start putting the lady faces on there and you'll be good to go <laughs> but you don't I'll know just... anything about this because you've been taking a break i have been from social media so steadfastly this is your first time taking a break from social media people do this sometimes because it gets exhausting and Mm -hmm. first time i've ever done it yeah especially for you because you get um a lot of hate regularly Mm, yeah from people who would never have the uh ability to say the things that they say online to your face yeah so that can be pretty exhausting. Although you do say that you're um, immune from a lot of the 
feelings that come along with constantly being targeted by the hatred. It seems so. I don't know. I, if I claim that I'm immune, I just, eh, doesn't seem to bother me. Mm-hmm. But I, this last week, I wasn't going to get into it, but this last week, I got into it with somebody, mm-hmm. and I was uh, unkind. Mm-hmm. Nothing I said was untrue. Mm-hmm. It just didn't need to be said. Mm-hmm. I was unkind. Mm-hmm. And that, it made me really pull back and reflect about uh, who I want to be. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if I let the lizard brain, if I let the, the Jesse lizard brain take over, um... That's no good. Yeah. I want to think about shit. I want to let the the higher person, mm-hmm. let the higher brain rule what goes on, not the the dick, mm-hmm. you know, so. Well, I think that's admirable. I also think that that is incredibly difficult to do. Um, <laughs> and yeah. I struggle with it, too. Um, I don't get as much hate as you do, thankfully. <laughs> Um, although Twitter does go to great lengths to try to hide it from you. Um, at least me, it, yeah. it does. I have to like click on view more replies and I always click on it. <laughs> uh, show me what everyone is saying. <laughs> so I'm a glutton for punishment. In yeah, that it, was a, it was a, it was a, it's what I talked about it being a bad week. Mm-hmm. It was all kind of surrounding that, mm-hmm. which bled into a regular life. You know, we're at the grocery store and we we get up to the to the conveyor belt there mm-hmm. and uh there's a there's a there's a man in line with his stuff that's already been like scanned through mm-hmm. and uh so I feel like there's no need to put the divider down. Here we're back to the divider conversation. <laughs> so I put all the stuff on the counter on the on the conveyor belt and then it conveys its way to the the gal who's who's checking everybody out or checking the guy out and she just starts taking all that stuff too and then the guy turns and he said something i don't commit this shit to memory so i i forget what he said do you remember what it was he said that was just dickish yeah he said that's not my doing well yeah no this isn't mine that's right Mm -hmm. and she's like oh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry and then he looks at you because i was away putting away the cart Uh uh-huh and he said that mm-hmm. this isn't my doing. Mm-hmm. It's not my fault that you're the blah blah. blah. Come on, dude, you're gonna you're gonna be okay. Yeah, it was mildly aggressive. Anyway, that so it's been when 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 my mood gets uh, altered by Twitter, or I allow my mood to be altered by Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't want it to bleed into the rest of the my life. You know, I don't want to have to murder a dude at the grocery store because, because I'm in a bad mood. Yeah. I, that went without incident. Mm-hmm. I didn't say anything to that guy. Mm-hmm. But well, I certainly it, wanted to. Well, it is frustrating because there are people like this is how they spend their days. They are online. Yeah. Just to antagonize people and be hateful. Well, see, that's the thing, though, is... It's these types who come to me who spend all day. And when I, when, if I'm to say something to that effect, they say to me, well, you're doing it to Donald Trump all day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the president of the United States. And I'm making sometimes snarky, sometimes shitty, sometimes funny, sometimes substantive remarks. But he's the president. It's, it's not like I'm, 
attacking Joe Schmo. Right. You know. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. I, I see this a lot like with Sam Harris defenders and how nice it would be <laughs> to get to a point where there are average people who let's let's just pick a random um, like job delivering pizzas for a living and um, they are taking time out of their day to viciously defend people in power that have a lot of money yeah from some regular dude yeah who's also just trying to make a living like he's taking time out of his day right when he could be delivering the pizzas in a great way. Right. Um, and that has to be interfering with his job, right? But um, it's just weird to me, like, that these people have attached themselves and I'm going to defend this person in power. I'm going to, like, take time out of my day to defend this person in power. It's also that type, though, that when you say, why are you defending them? They say, well, I'm not defending them. I'm just blah, 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 blah. Right. I'm just taking time out of my day constantly all day to respond to all kinds of people um, and antagonize them. To stand in the gap for this person that I'm not defending. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm correcting the wrongs that have been that have been waged against this person that, you know, right. not doing anything for me. Well, and for me, it would be fine if it was a genuine conversation or it was useful in some way, but it's often just hateful or disingenuous. Yeah. So that's the difference for me. If people actually wanted to engage in a fruitful conversation, that's fine. But oftentimes these trolls are just that, just trolls. Um, and that that can be exhausting to it, read that all the time. So it is very exhausting to read that all the time. Yeah, I. That's why I bowed out for a week or so. I'll be back in a couple of days. I think mm -hmm. we'll see. Mm -hmm. It's been kind of nice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I've read a lot more. Perfect. <laughs> anyway, what do you say we get to some listener communication? Mm -hmm. before this train runs right the fuck off the track. Last time, or the last few shows, we've talked about uh, Brett Kavanaugh, the new SCOTUS nominee to replace Anthony Kennedy, and I made some contentions about strategy relative to the election and Democrats and their votes, uh, R.E., Brett Kavanaugh, and then I'll juxtapose that against um, the possibility of flipping the Senate in the midterm. And David from New York took issue with what I said. Hi, Brittany. Hi, Jesse. My name is David Bach. I live in uh, New York. I was just listening to the the Supreme Court episode. I haven't listened to the, the newest one that just came out. Um, and I just wanted to push back on some of the things. Uh, you were talking about if they confirm uh, Brett Kavanaugh that Senators like Joe Manchin and Heidi Heitkamp, these uh, blue, these red state Democrats, should even if they can't stop him, should just vote with him anyway, so that they don't jeopardize the House. And I have to disagree with that. And the people of Positive America, who all um, you know, former Obama employees, have to disagree with that. And here's why: the people who will vote for Manchin and Heitkamp are not going to decide that they're not going to vote for them because they did not vote for Brett Kavanaugh. There's, I think it's like, there can't be more than a handful of voters who are going to say, I'm going to vote for this guy because I hate Donald Trump. I hate everything that's happening. I hate whoever's running against them and I won't for them. And I will, and I want to vote for them. 
but they voted against Kavanaugh, so now I'm going to change my support. The chances of that happening are so small and so insignificant that it looks worse for the fact that they just fold in general. Um, you know, I love the show. I think you guys are great. This is one of the very few things that I've actually disagreed with you on that I would have to call. Um, keep you doing great job. All right. Bye. Well, thanks for the call, David. We appreciate it very much. L- let me say a few things. One, I never said that they should just vote for them anyway. It, there's a lot of nuance here. And it's if it's going to happen that Brett Kavanaugh is going to be confirmed that if it's going to help you relative to the election and your campaign deems it uh, necessary, then to go ahead and do that. And also, I would like a little a little uh, sourcing, a little citation of it's so small and so insignificant the number of people. I don't believe that to be true because a narrative can be developed by campaign advertising staff, opposition people of, look, he's against the agenda of Donald Trump. It's not just, oh, yeah, he did this. It's a long it's a laundry list that gets created. Um in opposition advertising during a campaign. And to, to dismiss it out of hand, I don't care if it's you, David, or the guys from Pod Save America. It's it's just a fuck, it's a fact that a narrative can be created that will sway voters one way or the other on 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 a mansion or a hide camp or any of the these other characters who are in a position to possibly vote to confirm Brett Kavanaugh. It, would I do it? Probably not. What about the argument that that narrative will be created anyway? No, it will be, but you're, 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 all you're doing is adding a round of ammunition into the chamber. Mm-hmm. Without the Brett Kavanaugh thing, he can say, well, yeah, you, yeah, they can say all they want that mm-hmm. I don't support the agenda of Donald Trump and I'm just a, a never-Trumper, mm-hmm. but that's just not the case. I'm pretty even-handed with my votes. Look, I voted to confirm his Supreme Court nominee. Yeah. I mean, so it just, all all I'm saying is, because we don't know until it happens. So, I mean, everybody has hindsight. We If you have the benefit of hindsight, it's great. But before it happens, why leave it up to chance? And again, I'm not inside the campaign of, let's use Manchin, for instance. I'm not inside the campaign. So I don't know what their polling says. But if it sa- what I'm saying is if it says it's going to be a problem, to present you a problem, then go ahead and do it if he's going to be confirmed anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's a chance, like I said a thousand times, if there's a, a, a qualified chance to have him the, his nomination stopped, then do it. That's all. So we have an email from Janet in Albany, New York. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. This is Janet. And in episode 422, Jesse mentioned feeling sorry for the kids of Adam Bloom. Adam Bloom is the pool guy. I forgot what his nickname was, but he called the police on the black woman who was at the pool. That's right. Um. And maybe I misunderstood, but I didn't hear any sympathy for the children of the woman he was harassing. Those children will be more affected by the incident than his. 
So he lost his job and may or may not find one comparable to what he had, but her children will spend the rest of their lives questioning their belongingness. I don't know if that's a word. He he. Meaning, if it is okay for them to enter this store, go to any pool, hang out by their home because they will fear this man or someone like him questioning them. You are almost always an ally, but I felt you both dropped the ball on this a little. These children are already going through life questioning their right to be is the recent rash of videos showing them that they cannot exist in this world without fear of death or prosecution in some way, shape or form. Adam's kids may be embarrassed by their father's behavior, but in the long run, what has it really affected for them? If, as Brittany suggested, and they live in a household that teaches these ideas, it may be a while before they are woke. And again, what has it done to their life? Did it make them question their ability to belong, affect their ability to be safe, just being themselves, walking home from school without being attacked by a man with a shovel? Does it affect their ability to play with toy guns and come away unscathed, etc., etc.? As a black woman with black brothers, I am of the mind that finally all of the times people of color have been saying this shit has been happening and can now be recorded is great. Although people look at this as a new thing when we all know it isn't, and now it is harder to ignore. I am of the mind that I rather you be racist to my face than behind my back, and Trump has reminded us of exactly how some of America feels about people of color. Just a thought among many from listening to your show. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Well, Janet, um, thank you. For, for the for the email, I gotta say though, I'm I hate pulling the the my feelings are hurt card. Mm. You know, I, I don't want to say that, but you know, my I'm I'm a little the, the the phrase that sticks out to me is you're almost always an ally, mm-hmm. but The reason we played three clips, in, and it also buttresses up against that she didn't hear any sympathy for the black kids in the story. Mm-hmm. I thought that the sympathy was automatically noted for the fact that we played, again, now this is where we almost always an ally. The sympathy was an automatic. It should have been just understood because we played three clips in succession showing outrage, Mm -hmm. a demand for change of blacks having the cops called on them by white people Mm -hmm. in their communities, having done nothing wrong, Mm -hmm. breaking no laws, the funeral, the pool, Mm -hmm. the other case. So I'm, I, I get it. I don't live walking through life being questioned, should you be here? Are you shoplifting? Are you a threat? Mm-hmm. Are you going to steal from me? I, I don't have that experience. I get it. Yeah. But to question my intent or where my sympathies lie, I think is not fair. Mm-hmm. We'll say that. So I think what you're saying is that um, through the three clips that we played and the discussion that we had about the injustice that's occurring um, and that we're finally able to see what 
people have been saying is happening to them on video, on social media, yeah. going viral, um, that because you didn't explicitly talk about the kids in that instance and what they would be going through, even though you just thought that that was known during the conversation. Yeah, well, I I mean, I think we have a good enough relationship with our audience that they understand. Um, we're This is an independent show. We don't have some corporate overlord or some editor, some producer telling us what the topic of the day is. We choose the topic. We could have easily not chosen those three stories to talk about and talked about something else, and no one would have been the wiser. No one would have been like, oh, why didn't they talk about that? We could have talked, you know, filled that time with Donald Trump talk. We didn't. That's an important enough thing in our minds that we chose those things to talk about. And look, I don't want fucking patted on the back. But those those are important issues. The injustices that blacks face on an everyday, multiple times a day basis in this country and around the world is important. Equality is important. Equal justice under the law is important important and this show and we recognize that it is so i just figured it was uh understood unspoken that we had sympathy for the victims in those three cases that we took the time to talk about yeah and i understand why janet would want us to have an explicit conversation about that and feel like our talking about adam bloom's kids was not important but I think it is important to talk about Adam Bloom's kids as well. And maybe that's just my own experience of growing up in a white supremacist household and what it took to um, escape that indoctrination. I mean, I was in 10th grade and I was still denying that the Holocaust happened. Right. Let that sink in. I was a sophomore in high school and I was still denying that the Holocaust happened. So if these kids are growing up in that household, it's going to take a lot for them to um, escape that. And part of it is losing respect for your parents. Um, Now, I don't have anything to base that on other than my own experience um, because I don't I don't know other people that have come out of white supremacy um, indoctrination, but. I, I don't think it's good um, for kids to see something negative happen to their parents because that like gives them an excuse to have their belief reinforced if their their parent is being punished. Yeah. Now that's not to say that he shouldn't be punished. He should one hundred percent be punished. But I think we need to have a conversation about how can we stop the cycle and get kids out of the situation that are that are being indoctrinated i think that's an important part of the conversation too because we want to stop this right we we want kids uh growing up in this environment to not come out and be attending charlottesville rallies we don't want these ideas to appeal to the kids anymore so how do we get kids out of that situation well i think there's also something to be said for Pushing back on the idea of, look, you express sympathy for those little white kids where the sympathy really should just be for the for the black kids. I think we all have the bandwidth available to express a nuanced level of sympathy for both sides of this. 
Not for the Bloom guy. Fuck that guy. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about his kids, his innocent kids who don't have anything to, to any role to play in this. Mm-hmm. Of course, we have sympathy for that woman who got accosted and bothered and her kids who were embarrassed and are going to go through life, you know, um, being forced to question whether they their belongingness, as she said. Mm-hmm. Of course. But both can be done. And listen, if our goal as a society, <clears throat> nay, if our goal as a podcast audience, <laughs> we'll just we'll bring it down to that level. Mm. If our goal is to for, to lessen the damage of racism, to to make fewer racists in our world. Wouldn't we want to have sympathy for those kids, those white kids? Because maybe, they, let's say they are growing up in a, in a racist household. Don't we want to have sympathy and empathy for little Britney Pages to get them the fuck out and turn them into the, the woman that, that sits before me now? Of course we do. Because if we just say, ah, fuck them, they're racist. As kids... What hope do we have for when they're adults and they can actually do damage? Mm-hmm. So th- that's where my sympathy was coming from. It's it's not that I'm having sympathy for the children. Right. It's for those future adults mm-hmm. who we may be able to turn. Mm-hmm. That was it. Of yeah. course I have sympathy. Again, of course I have sympathy for that woman and her children mm-hmm. and that family at the funeral home. Yeah, it's horrible. It's disgusting. So anyway, Janet... Thanks for the call. We appreciate the, the pushback. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the state of New York is collectively shitting in my mouth today. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> oh. We love you all. I think we have another email. Yeah, this one is from Crystal. So embarrassing. I have started at least 15 emails about this exact subject, but I am almost always too chicken to send anything. The moment I realized my father was just another Fox News drone, that he was just exactly as bad as I imagined he was in my nightmares, was when I got into an argument with him about the Secretary of Education. He said, the thing I really like about Betsy DeVos, you see, is that she's a self-made woman. (laughs) Wow. Betsy frickin' DeVos, wow. the child of millionaires who married a billionaire and is actively working to destroy public education. The conversation occurred because I told my father I didn't want to discuss politics with him anymore. He said hurt his feelings when I said that because it made him think I was just another liberal who doesn't know any facts and he tried to raise me better than that. So I agreed to have a conversation, and now I know just how completely ignorant he is, and I can never unlearn it. So anyway, Brittany, thank you for your outrage. Love this show. It keeps me going even when I don't know what to do anymore. Seriously considering leaving the country. Gonna send before I I either make this way, way too long or chicken out again. P.S. Dad knows what it is to be self-made, too. That's the second worst part. His dad died when he was a teenager. His mom forced him to drop out of school in 10th grade. When I was growing up, he worked two full-time jobs selling used cars and working third shift as a dispatcher and simultaneously trained himself to become a programmer. He retired as the programming IT manager of an Ivy League school. My grandma was born deaf at the time where it was considered retardation. She could barely read and write because she only taught the literal translation of American Sign Language in school. So it's difficult to be angry with her for this. Crystal. Another case. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, this is, I haven't had contact with my family, my parents in over 10 years, long, long time. But <laughs> I imagine that's how it would go, mm-hmm. especially in this day and age, the Trump time, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, because to to be a a willing Fox News viewer and believe that you're informed, it just, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Well, it's just it's ignorant. It's just weird because I don't I don't think anyone is self-made. Um, I think that everyone gets help from somewhere. Someone gave you a leg up by giving you a job, by letting you um, shadow them at, at, at work, by giving you an opportunity to go to school, admitting you to a program. Um, I mean, I, I have to recognize all of those helping hands in my life um, my godfather, my seventh grade literature teacher, um, the fact that I got pale grants all throughout my college education, the fact that I got grants in grad school yeah. to help me get my master's degree, um, all of the people that have given me jobs and opportunities and recognized my abilities and helped me out. Um, we all need to do that. I obviously, there are cases like Oprah, for example, who comes from extreme poverty and now has extreme wealth, um, unlike Kylie Jenner, who was born into extreme wealth and then just grew the pile of money. Right. So there are those situations. Um, I don't know how you, how, you, how you think about that, Jesse, if you think that no one is self-made, but that's kind of where I, I, where I stand on it. I've evolved on the issue. Um, I, I don't think it's quite to the degree that you... That you just stated that no one's self-made uh, because of those because it would be like a spectrum you'd have to calculate. I think it's kind of a general term meaning you came from nothing and you're you you made yourself into something. I don't think it's necessarily as as cut and dry as self-made. I didn't have any help. I don't think that's part of the equation. Of course you have help, but if you're a self-made millionaire. I think what it really it really um, points to is that you didn't come from money. You, you didn't inherit a bunch of money that someone else made, that someone else had the, the good fortune to fall into, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle. Thanks for the email. We appreciate it. Um, we, the next two voicemails, the, the last two li- pieces of listener communication uh, are about Donald Trump's tr- Donald Trump's trip, not Donald Trump's Trump. Um, Donald Trump's trip <laughs> to the United Kingdom, and uh, they are both from people from England. Hey Jesse, hey Brittany, it's your potty mouth UK correspondent here. Um, I would just like to start with uh, he's here. Yes, he is. And what a lovely, warm and fuzzy reception he got from us. Over 100,000 people protested in the centre of London saying how much we don't like you. And the main thing, the uh, main thrust I want to talk about is the hypocrisy of, of the, the right-wing media, not only here, but in the States as well. Because when Obama came over here to address Parliament, he spoke about Brexit and said that America would be kind of putting Britain to the back of the queue when it came to a trade deal because why would they want to trade with 
one small island country when they can negotiate with 27 countries all at the same time, which is just factual and logical. The right-wing press over here was going crazy. Like, how dare he come over here and tell us how we should vote and how we should do Brexit and threaten us with this and threaten us with that. It's disgusting. A few years later, Trump comes over, insults our Prime Minister, says Boris Johnson would make a great Prime Minister, and the right-wing media, oh, well, he's just saying it as he is. He's a straight shooter, you know? He's, he's speaking for every man. When... Just four years ago, the same office did the same thing and it was the end of the world. But the only thing I can see difference is one was a brown man, <coughs> excuse me, and one is a arguably orange man or something. <laughs> so for me, it's just failed racism. And it's the same thing with Sadiq Khan. He's, Trump's blaming Sadiq Khan for the rise in terrorism in the UK, um, but he, he won't say anything about Ken Livingston when 7-7, which was the biggest terrorist attack we've had over here. Again, what's the difference? And freedom, fr freedom of speech, it's all right when it's your team, but when the other side want to put up a big blimp, oh, this is disgusting, despicable, disrespectful, and that hypocrisy, that cognitive dissonance, that... that is something that you can't get through to, to Trump supporters. You can't get through to Brexiteers over here. It's like you can shout at them and you can give them all the facts and the logic, but they just stick their fingers in the ears and say, not listening, you're you're a Ramona, or you're a, you're a traitor. <coughs> Excuse me, I've got a terrible cough at the minute. But anyway, um, thanks for sending them over. Well done, everybody. He's a tippy-top cunt. Love the show. <laughs> Brittany is the best part. Love the show. Wow. Bye. Well, it is kind of nice to know that uh, the the politicians in the United Kingdom are not immune from the same idiocy that we are over here. For instance, you know, like not not blaming terrorism on anybody but Sadiq Khan, the mayor, the current mayor of London, but then letting Livingston off the hook, not like he needed to be blamed for 7-7 happening. Some of these things are out of control, out of the control of the people in charge. But it's the same kind of a thing with, with the, what happened with Rudy Giuliani saying that no terror happened in the United States until Obama came along, even though he was mayor of New York on 9-11. So I don't know. I don't know if it's cognitive dissonance or... Or willful ignorance. Mm -hmm. But it, it's good to hear from people on the other side right now with Trump being over there. Um, and, you know, let me say, it, it was uh, very encouraging to see the response of the people of London who came out in force. Uh, I think Wayne said 100,000. I, I heard like 200,000 people. Mm -hmm. I mean, the numbers are... Tens and tens of thousands of people came out to protest in what I would believe would be solidarity with mm -hmm. the American people. When have we ever seen something like that happen? Uh, not in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. Not like that. I mean, mm -hmm. there's always going to be pockets of people who, who you know, are going to protest, you know, a, a president's stance on Israel or whatever, uh, but never like this. Yeah. This is unprecedented and uh, historical, for sure. We shared one of the protest signs to the I Doubt It Facebook page, and 
Twitter and Instagram at I Doubt It Podcast if you're interested. And um, it was Donald Trump dressed as a handmaid. Yeah. Uh, from Han- Handmaid's Tale. And it said, of Putin. <laughs> Which if you watch the show, it's uh, they they have of like the the name that they belong to the male ho- yeah, household yeah. um and someone corrected the meme and said that technically in keeping with the spirit of the show it should be of vladimir <laughs> um yes thank you for that um not really but it was my favorite <laughs> it was my favorite protest sign yeah. i really liked it so thanks wayne we appreciate it uh next up somebody we haven't heard for in a while jonathan hi jesse hi Brittany. it's jonathan from the uk here Um, Well, in terms of my view of Trump's visit to the UK, it has been, well, as expected, quite a bit of a shit show. Um, I mean, the highlights have obviously been uh, the giant Trump baby blimp. Always welcome. Uh, I'd say Mayor Sadiq Khan's very welcome uh, and dignified response to Trump's blatant racism and dog whistling. And also just the massive amounts of people, both in England and Scotland and Northern Ireland, in fact, who've made it very clear that Trump is not a normal president and he is very much not welcome here. The fact that he's had to be kept pretty much cloistered away in Chequers, Blenheim House and just far away from the public in general, I would say is an excellent sign so far of what uh, public mood is all about. I mean, the simple fact is that Trump is not a regular president and that fascistic overtones of his government, the fact he's giving succor to people like, well, Nigel Farage, Steve Bannon, Tommy Robinson, uh, people who you read, your listeners might not have heard of, but basically all elements of, you know, the fascistic right, people who are talking about, you know, speaking up for the everyman, speaking common sense and all that, when, when you boil it down, is always a definition of just us against the other whether it's all foreign people or the European project in general, in the case of Nigel Farage, uh, anti-Muslim sentiment in the case of Tommy Robinson, or just this sort of weird nationalistic against China vibe that you're getting from people like Steve Bannon. It's... uh, the The fact that these people are in the ascendancy, it seems somewhat, is rather depressing. But I take some comfort in the fact that they're very. it's been shown very much so that their viewpoint does not have a majority view in Britain. A lot of people are extremely, extremely willing to vigorously oppose that view by opposing Trump. Of course, it remains to be seen what happens, you know, going forward, obviously with Putin and uh, everything else. But, uh, well, I'll take it as a positive so, so far that not only has Trump... Not only has Trump shown that he's not welcome here, but he may have potentially put a dent in Brexit. So, you know, for every cloud, a bit of a silver lining. <laughs> anyway, still enjoying the show, guys. Thanks a lot. And, uh, oh, Brittany, still the best part. Thank you. Bye-bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. I love how Jonathan just sounds like the nicest human on earth every time we hear from him. Uh, <laughs> like he's never said a bad word about anybody except for Trump. I wouldn't mind hearing tippy top cunt from Jonathan. Yes. You know, in the spirit of. Yes. Of Wayne. That would be lovely. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I noticed that both Wayne and Jonathan talked about the he speaks for every man. He's just, yeah. you know, a, a guy's guy. And there is a reason why that's not a good quality to have in in a president and we're watching that happen um in the breakdown of our diplomatic relationships um it is 
so embarrassing to watch every single press conference that Donald Trump has with a foreign leader, including the press conference that he just had with Vladimir Putin today. That, that we're we going will... to save for next episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, where this guy just doesn't have the chops to yeah. be having these conversations. He doesn't understand the complicated... Uh, relationships that exist among these countries and the way that you need to talk about things. Which is why he appeals to the lesser intellectually aware and informationally aware among us. Yeah, which yeah. is why this this engineered populism took off so much because mm -hmm. he is appealing to that, oh, we don't need to be kissing the ass of the other countries. Yeah. You know? Right. And the simple explanation... <laughs> is not the best one in, in this case. You want someone who understands the complexity and who respects that. Yeah. And who goes out there on the world stage and is competent, or at least appears competent. And Donald Trump can't even give the appearance of competency. And that's the scary part. Embarrassingly mm -hmm. so, he mm -hmm. can't. Yeah. He has no idea that foreign policy is... It's like a... It's a woven tapestry that, that over the course of, of, you know, in our case, 240 some years that builds upon itself. It's like a lasagna, Brittany, <laughs> you know, the layers and the, the flavors and the textures. And you can't throw everything away because everything built to this moment, mm -hmm. you have to have a historical perspective mm -hmm. to be president, to be a diplomat, to to deal with these nations. Mm -hmm. What are their motivations? What are their thousand points of interest that are that are intersecting? Mm -hmm. And how can we exploit that to get our best interest uh, accommodated? Donald Trump doesn't give a fuck about that. Mm -hmm. Oh, Vladimir Putin said he didn't do it. He shook my hand. Ugh. I, I believe him. Mm -hmm. He looked honest. That, that's not how it works. Yeah, he was strong and powerful in his denial. Fuck. Cool, bro. Cool, bro. <laughs> it's a bummer it for is, all of us. It is a bummer. Mm -hmm. So thanks, everybody, for the emails and the voicemails. We appreciate it very much. If you would like to sound off, communicate with the show, help us move the conversation forward, you can call and leave a fewer than three-minute voicemail at 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email those voice memos that you heard from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. We have two beautiful humans who um, upped their pledge, Andrew. Andrew. And M.M. M.M. On the... Is it Marshall Mathers? <laughs> <laughs> uh, who knows? Possibly. Mike of the Mechanics? Mm. Mary Magdalene? Yeah, I'm, I'm watching you try to come up with... <laughs> examples mary matlin yeah i got a million of them oh you're so good <laughs> i don't have any none huh no well thank you we appreciate that very much 
Again, we'll briefly mention those stickers, the campaign stickers that Brittany now have stuck to our laptops that are awesome. Yep. We did get the stickers in. Mm-hmm. We will be mailing them out tomorrow to those of you who have purchased them. Yep. And if you would like to get in on that, go to dollamore.com, left-hand side of the page. Look for the link that says Stickers Shop and buy some. They're real. They're actually pretty cool. Pretty happy with how, I, they, I, how they turned out. I was very impressed. They're beautiful. Limited run. Mm-hmm. The other thing is Amazon Prime Day. Yep, today. Is right now. Yep. Well, well, it'll be right now. No, yeah, it'll be right now by the time you listen to yep. this. Mm-hmm. And uh, that apparently is like Black Friday, I yep. guess. So if there's some things you've been having your eye on yep. in your wish list or whatever, which, by the way, I just started putting some stuff in my wish list, Brittany, yep. just so you know. Okay. Thanks for warning me. <laughs> what? Not really a warning. Uh- <laughs> But if there's things in your wish list, things you've been having your eye on, it is likely going to be deeply discounted on Amazon. Go to dollamore.com slash Amazon. Use the link. It'll forward you right through to Amazon. You don't pay any more. We get a little bit of that. Help support the show. Amazon Prime. It's today and all day tomorrow. All day Tuesday. Yeah, it goes for 36 hours this year, I oh, guess. Wow. So Wait, 36? Is that wrong? No, that sounds right. No, that's right. That's exactly right. 24 okay. and half a day. Yeah. Because you know, math is neither of our our deal. Well, I mean, I that that should be pretty basic. But I will say, I'm still suffering some symptoms from my crick neck, so I'm gonna blame that. I'm feeling very dizzy. Oh my neck! Oh my Jesus! Back. My neck in my back. <laughs> you can't open the door, you know. Yeah. It's gonna. I'm gonna walk through the door. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we love you guys. Thanks for your support, as always. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So, what we're going to be talking about today for Democracy is kind of a three-pronged deal that all kind of works into the Russia investigation. One is the Peter Strzok. Uh, he was the agent in charge of the Hillary Clinton email investigation and then was put on the Mueller team and was removed subsequently from the Mueller team because of some text messages that I'm sure you've heard about. If you read Donald Trump's Twitter timeline, you've heard about it because he talks about him all the time, about being a disgrace to America. Not just that, but he credits him with like initiating the investigation. And, yeah, not true. And says that he basically is the source of this whole quote-unquote witch hunt. Yeah, not true. And is using him to discredit the the, the investigation. investigation yeah but i will say that this hearing with peter struck was peak television for me oh my god i was watching it and it was like i was watching the funniest movie that has ever <laughs> been created i was laughing my ass off yeah these people how incompetent are these people in Congress? It is. It was. It's like the reverse of a silent movie. Like it had it been like you know when you watch silent movies and it's kind of like fast motion. It's like that except in audio version. Yeah. You know. Yeah. L- l- first, l- let me play a couple of uh, clips that would uh, embody what you're talking about. Um, listen to this congressman who really is. He's his his expertise is not just in government. He's he's an expert in many things, Brittany. This morning I watched. I, by the way, I'm a dentist. Okay, so I read body language very, very well. 
and I watched you comment and actions with Mr. Gowdy. You got very angry in regards to the Gold Star father. That shows me that it's innately a part of you and a bias. Sir, I disagree. I don't know if you're saying this experience is like being at the dentist, if that's what you're suggesting. Okay, so let me but get, I, <laughs> I, would, I, I would tell you, sir, I what you see in my response, what you see in my response is a genuine passion for the United States of America. You hear that, Brittany? Mm-hmm. He's an expert in body language. Mm-hmm. I, I, by the way, I'm a dentist. He's a dentist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, so, and, and, and apparently somehow... A congressman yeah. representing half a million people mm-hmm. in whatever district. I think this is Paul Gosser. Yeah. So these two experiences are equivalent. When he shoves a giant needle in someone's gums and they um, cringe and like seize yeah. up in their body because they're jamming <laughs> a giant needle into the gums. That is what he's able to recognize. And it's just like when Peter Strzok is testifying yeah. and he's able to see the nuanced movements mm-hmm. in him. So like when I cringe, yeah. like when I was a kid, I've told the story and the, and the and the dentist tells me, quit being a little girl. Yeah. He knew I was in pain because of the many years of dental practice. Yeah. Yes. Not because he's a human being and he watches me wince. Ah, I'm in pain. Yeah. So no. By the way, I'm a dentist. Mm. Yeah, when parents watch their kids get their cavities filled, they're very confused as to what their emotional reaction is. (laughs) They're like, wait a minute. What's the child doing, dentist? Can you tell me? Is he... Wait, is that that laughter? I cannot... If only I was a dentist, I would be able to determine what his body language is saying. Is this crippling pain? Or is it overwhelming joy? I can't tell. Is my child happy to be in the chair or not? Yeah. If only yeah. I was a dentist. Mm-hmm. I, by the way, I'm a dentist. The other, and this, there's another clip from this same moron, <laughs> is this, this Gosser. I think it's Gosser. I wish I would have done a better job of writing the clip, the, the name on the clip here. Um, he's fumbling, explaining to Peter Strzok that we are not a democracy, that we are a constitutional republic which is a, 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 a familiar refrain from these um, these conservative ding-dongs who make the point for no good reason, even though... Anyway, just listen and we'll talk about it. We are not a democracy. We are a constitutional republic. That is why we have um, uh, two ways, both from a democracy re- uh, voting and then from the uh, uh, where we have the... Uh, Electoral College. So make the sure that we the get The time of the gentleman has expired. <laughs> we are not a democracy. We are a constitutional republic, which, just for the audience's edification, is a form of democracy, you fucking moron. Or should I say... I, by the way, I'm a dentist. I'm a dentist. I'm not a... I'm not a constitutional scholar or a government scholar or a historian. I don't know basic civics to understand what a constitutional democracy is because of the electoral college. That clip actually beautifully illustrates how desperate the Republicans were during this hearing. Yes. Just grasping at straws, anything that they could to make it look like Peter Strzok's bias his personal bias had um, 
contributed to a professional bias, yeah. right? That's what they were trying to doing, trying to do was connecting the uh, text that he had sent to his girlfriend Lisa Page, calling Donald Trump a douche, to <laughs> call him a douche to his his behavior in, which was in his read, work was read in open hearing, right? Which there's no evidence that suggests that his personal bias against Donald Trump led to something in his work, yeah. some sort of bias um, or action that he took in his work. He also sent negative texts, by the way, about Hillary Clinton yes. and Bernie Sanders. Yeah. But that wasn't the focus of the Republicans' line of questioning. That was completely left out. But of course, the Democrats took the other other side and were asking um, questions, trying to protect Peter Strzok or trying to illustrate that there was no connection there between a professional bias, a personal bias, um, asking, well, did you go to the media and leak that there was an investigation into Donald Trump and collusion with Russians? Yeah. And of course, the answer was... No. Right. Because if there if he had gone to the media, we would have learned about it prior to the election, not way afterward. Mm-hmm. All of this illustrates. But let me go back. Let me go back. Louis Gohmert is a is a ding dong from Texas. Um, and he b- brought up the fact in open hearing um, shaming Peter Strzok. I mean, I don't know that this is uh, out of out of bounds because he did have an affair on his wife. But. It is so. It, it, anyway, he he shits on him for having an affair on his wife and lying to his wife, but it, it's so strange to me that Republicans are able to recognize the moral failing of Peter Strzok, but then defend Donald Trump to to all ends of the earth, even though he has he is a serial abuser of women, a serial philanderer, a serial cheater on his wife. You know, mm-hmm. here's Louis, Louis, Louis Gohmert. And I've talked to FBI agents around the country. You've embarrassed them. You've embarrassed yourself. And I can't help but wonder when I see you looking there with a little smirk, how many times did you look so innocent into your wife's eye and lie to her about uh, Lisa? Mr. Oh, Chairman, this is outrageous. The credibility of a witness shame is always on you, an Chairman. issue. Mr. You Chairman, please. Have have you know, Chairman, this is an intolerable harassment of the witness. What's wrong with that? You need your medication. The gentleman controls the time. I ask that the witness be permitted to respond well, to you. He will be permitted. He will be permitted. Shit show. Shit show, Brittany. Mm-hmm. Here, here's a clip. This will just give you an overall taste. The Washington Post put this together, which is kind of a highlight reel of the chaos of the hearing. You are under subpoena and are required to answer the question. Are you objecting to the question? If so, please state your objection. Mr. Chairman, I object. The, the gentleman it does not have standing Mr. to Chair- object. I, there is no point, point of order. No point of order well, here. Point of do order. Do you understand that? Point of order, Mr. Chairman. The question is directed to the witness. And I have a point of order before he answers the question. The, the, the point of order is not well taken until... You don't know what the point of order is. You can't say it's not well the, taken. The point of order... The, the, the witness will answer the question. Point of order, Mr. Chairman. You're, 
Uh, let me po let me continue. Point of I order, Mr. Chairman. Point of order. I believe there's a point of order that's been raised. Gentleman has not stated a valid I point of order. The ruling nonetheless, the chair in that case. nonetheless, are you just going to make up rules as we go along? It is not a valid point of order. The and chair I has already repressed that Mr. question because you don't question on that ruling. Point of order, Mr. Chairman. The gentleman is not in order. That may be, but I appeal your ruling. The gentleman is not recognized. I point of parliamentary on inquiry. The ruling of the chair. That point of parliamentary inquiry. Was not in parliamentary inquiry. Mr. Gowdy, do you remember Parliamentary that? inquiry. Parliamentary inquiry. Parliamentary inquiry. A parliamentary inquiry is Mr. not Bannon, in order. Motion is not germane, and the gentleman from Maryland, Mr. Cummings, I move to table the ruling of the chair. All those in favor of tabling the appeal, respond by saying aye. Aye. Those opposed, no. 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 The chair, the ayes have Mr. It. Chairman, I ask for a recorded vote. Point of I ask for a recorded vote. Mr. Chairman, point of parliamentary inquiry. The gentleman's point of order is not well taken. It's right the, on point. No, it's not. Point it's of right order, Mr. Chairman. Point. General state is point of order. Point of order. It is not a point of order. 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 That is not a proper point of order. Gentlemen will suspend. The gentlewoman will have the right. The gentlewoman will suspend. The gentlewoman will suspend. The gentlewoman will suspend. His time has expired, Mr. Chairman. Your time two and a half minutes. Gentlemen is not recognized, and the chairman is not being proper. Chairman is being proper. Mr. Chairman, I think you have no choice but to recognize such a motion. I, I do not. I raise my point of order and I insist on it. What is the point of order? I move to subpoena Steve Bannon. Mr. Chairman, I move to adjourn. Second. You're not recognized for that purpose. This is, well, one, if you don't understand the the procedure in a in a hearing such as this, it's they have to follow the Roberts rules of order. So there is a, it's not just an old timey way of talking. There's a certain procedure by which they're they're kind of dutif dutifully bound to follow. So to keep everyone under control. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be a procedure for when you can talk and when you can't, and when you can bring something up, when you can call for a vote. So the parliamentary procedure and the and the you know all the interruptions. One were were certainly uh, a strategy by the Democrats to slow this fucking thing down. Mm -hmm. But it just. <laughs> it was a a thing of beauty to watch. Yeah, I <laughs> I loved that. Um, what is his name? Bob Good Goodlatte. Good, Goodlatte. Yeah, yeah, a he, Virginia congressman who's kind of a dunce. Yeah, he was leading the whole thing, and it was interesting to watch him because he kind of seemed out of his element. Oh a little yeah, bit. like maybe it was his first time doing this. Oh no, <laughs> it's, he's the chairman. Well, I don't know what was going on, but he seemed yeah. like he was not capable. Well, they they had combined two committees. The other chairman on the dais was Trey Gowdy, who mm -hmm. was the Benghazi guy yeah. with like the little pinhead. He looks like a Zika baby, gr all grown up. Mm -hmm. So does that require? Uh, it made me cringe, for sure. <laughs> The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. A little cringy. It was. It's not a little cringy. It's well, very. Cringy. Whenever I see the face, the cringe face, I think ah, maybe I should play the the disclaimer. Yeah. So uh, Trey Gowdy asked a bunch of questions, mm -hmm. and this this clip, all of that was kind of for the funny of it. This clip, which is an answer to Trey Gowdy's question, 
is is an answer from Peter Strzok, which really sums up what you should take away from the hearing. And it was masterful and beautiful. And look, I don't carry water for Peter Strzok. He, I think he uh, he overstepped his bounds. If Mueller had had grounds to to dismiss him from the investigation, the Russia collusion investigation, then he probably is a little on the bias side. Well, there's a distinction there, and that was highlighted as well, which is Mueller, as Peter Strzok understands it, uh, dismissed him from the investigation because of the appearance of possible professional bias. Yes. So he wasn't necessarily dismissed because his personal bias affected his ability to do his job. Right. But the appearance of it was not useful, and Mueller is not interested in having anything um, that detracts from what he's trying to do. And what I'm saying is, I don't believe that that Peter Strzok is smart enough or careful enough. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly he's not careful enough. He's having an affair on the job with a coworker, and then using his work phone to talk shit about Donald Trump. I mean, he's just not the most careful guy. Well, if everyone could just follow my advice and not put things in writing. That's right. That's all you need to do. You would think a seasoned uh, multiple decade FBI agent would, would know the Britney Page way of doing things. Yeah. If your email is at FBI.gov, <laughs> can you not be like emailing your coworkers about what a douche Donald Trump is? Right. You you, using the word or saying that you hope he gets beaten in the election a hundred million to one. Yeah. Yes. Or to zero. Sorry. Yeah. Well, whatever. But just stop putting things in writing. So here is really after having said all that and shit on him a little bit. Here is a masterful response summing up why you can't take the texts um, as an indictment of his bias. Mr. Chairman, may I respond to? Yes, you may. Yes, you got it. Uh, Sir, I think it's important when you look at those texts that you understand the context in which they were made and the things that were going on across America. In terms of the text that we will stop it, you need to understand that that was written late at night off the cuff and it was in response to a series of events that included then-candidate Trump insulting the immigrant family of a fallen war hero. And my presumption, based on that horrible disgusting behavior that the American population would not elect somebody demonstrating that behavior to be president of the United States. It was in no way, unequivocally, any suggestion that me, the FBI, would take any action whatsoever to improperly impact the electoral process for any candidate. So I I take great offense and I take great disagreement to your assertion of what that was or wasn't. As to the 100 million to one, that was clearly a statement made in jest and using hyperbole. I, of course, recognize that millions of Americans were likely to vote for candidate Trump. I acknowledge that is absolutely their right. That is what makes our democracy such a vibrant process that it is. But to suggest somehow that we can parse down the words of shorthand textual conversations like there's some contract for a car is is simply not consistent with my or most people's use of text messaging. I can assure you, Mr. Chairman, at no time in any of these texts did those personal beliefs ever enter into the realm of any action I took. Furthermore, This isn't just me sitting here telling you, you don't have to take my word for it. At every step, at every investigative decision, there are multiple layers of people above me, the assistant director, executive assistant director, deputy director, and director of the FBI, and multiple layers of people below me, section chiefs, supervisors, unit chiefs, case agents, and analysts, all of whom were involved in all of these decisions. 
They would not tolerate any improper behavior in me any more than I would tolerate it in them. That is who we are as the FBI. And the suggestion that I, in some dark chamber somewhere in the FBI, would somehow cast aside all of these procedures, all of these safeguards, and somehow be able to do this is astounding to me. It simply couldn't happen. And the proposition that that is going on, that it might occur anywhere in the FBI, deeply corrodes what the FBI is in American society, the effectiveness of their mission, and it is deeply destructive. The, 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 the. So again, he's highlighting the fact, and this is a counterpoint to Donald Trump, um, that he didn't have the power to take take Trump down. Right. And that's what Trey Gowdy... A single FBI agent. Right. That's what Trey Gowdy <laughs> and the other Republicans and Donald Trump are trying to say about Peter Strzok, that he alone, this one FBI agent, yes. had so much power that he could initiate the investigation based on his personal bias and that he could somehow manipulate everyone around him into going along with this charade. Um... That seems hard to believe. It's impossible to believe. And there was nothing presented at the press conference that proved that. So that was on the Republicans to prove. They didn't prove it. Yeah. They thought this would be easy for them, that Peter Strzok would go in there and they would just... Like fumble around, uh, 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 not know what to say or yeah, something. Yeah, they would like serve him a knockout. And that's not what happened. He wanted to testify openly. That's right. You should have taken that as a sign that he's going to walk in there prepared. He he They, they had him there prior, but not uh, in an open hearing. Mm -hmm. And he wanted an open hearing. Right. So it is, I think I want to reinforce what you said earlier, that he was asked by a Democrat, hey, you know, you were so biased and so against Donald Trump's candidacy mm -hmm. that it was affecting your job. Did you leak it to the press if you thought he was such a danger to the union and you were willing to do anything, risk your career to out him? Did you go to the press about the investigation? Obviously, he didn't. Obviously, the Republican claim is fucking absurd. It's ludicrous. It is ridiculous on its face. And this is a giant um, circus as a distraction to try to gin up support for their point of view in the public uh, sphere. Right. So the same day that this went on and the, the weekend before mm -hmm. Donald Trump went to London and then subsequently... Helsinki to meet with Vladimir Putin, mm -hmm. Rob Rosenstein came out and announced 12 indictments from the Mueller probe of Russian government mm -hmm. intelligence operatives, yep. named names, mm -hmm. named units within the Russian uh, GRU that they work, mm -hmm. and uh, it's on. Put Donald Trump on notice prior to him meeting with Vladimir Putin. Today, a grand jury in the District of Columbia returned an indictment presented by the Special Counsel's Office. The indictment charges 12 Russian military officers by name for conspiring to interfere with the 2016 presidential election. Eleven of the defendants are charged with conspiring to hack into computers, steal documents, and release those documents with the intent to interfere in the election. One of those defendants and a 12th Russian military officer are charged with conspiring to infiltrate computers of organizations involved in administering elections, including state boards of election, 
secretaries of state, and companies that supply software used to administer elections. According to the allegations in the indictment, the defendants worked for two units of the main intelligence directorate of the Russian general staff, known as the GRU. The units engaged in active cyber operations to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. There was one unit that engaged in active cyber operations by stealing information and a different unit that was responsible for disseminating the stolen information. This is a big deal. This is seismic. This might be the largest day for the Russia investigation since its inception. One, the fact that in the indictment, they say on or around July 27th, 2016, these individuals first started their attempt to hack into the DNC servers and gain access through their spear phishing attempts uh, for Podesta and different DNC employees, which just so happens to be the same exact day that Donald Trump came before the cameras and said, Russia, if you're listening, go out there and try to find her emails. At what point is, is, uh, is the excuse that, oh, that's just a coincidence, not going to be valid anymore? Mm-hmm. The media went crazy, of course, reading and tying in all the different connections. And Anderson Cooper who I have a ton ton of respect for, I think he is a very metered individual, was simply stunned because Donald Trump continued, even after having known prior that these indictments were coming out, he was briefed by Rod Rosenstein. He still continued to call it a witch hunt. He's adding now the rigged witch hunt to his description. Good evening. When President Trump meets Vladimir Putin in Finland on Monday, he'll be more prepared than ever, armed with more evidence than ever to confront him over Russia's attack on the 2016 presidential election if he chooses to, which, keep it honest, that is a very big if. Today, Robert Mueller's grand jury handed up indictments that, for the very first time, directly connect 2016 campaign interference to the Kremlin itself. And the response so far from the White House, it doesn't mention the attack. It doesn't mention the Kremlin. It does not mention Vladimir Putin. It does not mention the Russians at all. In fact, all the White House did say was essentially nothing to do with us, nothing to see here. And I'm quoting now, today's charges include no allegations of knowing involvement by anyone on the campaign and no allegations that the alleged hacking affected the election result. This is consistent with what we've been saying all along. Oh, it It sure is. And what they haven't been saying as well, that this was, you know, a direct attack aimed at the heart of the country's democracy. The indictment charges 12 Russian military officers by name for conspiring to interfere with the 2016 presidential election. According to the allegations in the indictment, the defendants worked for two units of the main intelligence directorate of the Russian general staff known as the GRU. The White House says nothing about that. I mean, that's just, it's just stunning. Eleven defendants are charged with conspiring to hack into computers, steal documents, and release them with the intent of interfering in the election. One of the eleven, along with a 12th GRU officer, are charged with conspiring to infiltrate computers of organizations involved in administering elections. 
According to the indictment, the two-part operation began with a spear phishing attack in early two, uh, 2016 to gain access to the computers or the accounts of more than 300 people connected to the Clinton campaign and Democratic political groups, including campaign chairman John Podesta. Now, starting that June, the defendants allegedly distributed stolen documents through a bogus website that they created called DCLeaks.com, a Facebook page and Twitter feed claiming they were, in the words of the indictment, American hacktivists. Once the Democratic National Committee announced it had been hacked, the Russians used the online moniker Guccifer 2.0, falsely claiming to be a lone Romanian hacker. Now, the indictment does not allege crimes by any Americans, nor that the conspiracy altered the vote count or changed any election result. However, as we'll be talking about tonight, it hardly slams the door on the question of American collaboration. But just the mere fact of it is striking. A dozen Russian military intelligence officers charged today, which, if you're keeping track, makes it 191 criminal counts since the Mueller investigation began, 32 individuals and three companies charged. And perhaps more striking than that is this. The entire time that President Trump has been overseas attacking our allies but not criticizing Vladimir Putin, he presumably has known what would happen today. I briefed President Trump about these allegations earlier this week. The president is fully aware of the department's actions today. So just think about that. When, when he said this, as he left for his trip, he may have already known. So I have NATO. I have the UK, which is in somewhat turmoil. And I have Putin. Frankly, Putin may be the easiest of them all. Who would think? Who would think? It's a funny question to ask, considering he may have already known that a dozen of Putin's spies were about to face charges. I mean, keep it honest, he also definitely knew about it when he was attacking America's NATO allies and when he was standing next to British Prime Minister Theresa May saying this. I think I'd have a very good relationship with President Putin if we spend time together. And I may be wrong. You know, other people have said that didn't work out, but I'm different than other people. Uh, I think that we're being hurt very badly by the uh, I would call it the witch hunt. I would call it the rigged witch hunt after watching some of the little clips. I didn't get to watch too much because I'm here. It's a different time zone, to put it mildly. But uh, after watching the people, the man that was testifying yesterday, I call it the rigged witch hunt. I think that really hurts our country and it really hurts our relationship with Russia. Again, just to be clear, that witch hunt, as the president called it, has now yielded 191 charges against 32 individuals and three companies. And the president knew about it. It certainly hasn't stopped him from talking or tweeting about the search for women wearing pointy hats, wearing broomsticks. By our count, the president has now tweeted 84 times using the phrase witch hunt to describe the Russia probe or questions about Russia. His first tweet all the way back in May of 2016. And something else that happened in 2016, you might remember that today took on new significance. Here it is. I, I will tell you this, Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. I think you will probably be rewarded mightily by our press. Let's see if that happens. That'll be next. Ha 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 ha. That was July 27, 2016. Now, let me just read from today's indictment. Quote, 
On or about July 27, 2016, the conspirators attempted after hours to spearfish for the first time email accounts at a domain hosted by a third-party provider and used by Clinton's personal office. At or around the same time, they also targeted 76 email addresses at the domain for the Clinton campaign. Now, neither the indictment nor any reporting we have thus far explicitly connects what the candidate said with what the Russians did. But the timing of it, I mean, it certainly raises questions because... Not to put too fine a point on it, the president asked for Russia to get involved on the same day the indictment says the Russians got involved. All right. So here is the rub. One, some people in the media are making a claim that, well, there's something to be said here that there were no Americans named in this indictment. Mm-hmm. That's not a big fucking deal. This, this is going to precede the other Clearly, this is going to precede another indictment. Mm-hmm. But they're setting up, they will predicate the the, the, the next indictment on this one. Mm-hmm. But look, this is what we have, and we're basing this new indictment on this previous 12 Russian intelligence operatives within the GRU, which is like their defense intelligence agency. Okay? But they don't altogether let Americans off the hook Several places in this 29-page indictment from Robert Mueller mention not only Americans, but actual Trump campaign staff. So the conspirators posing as Guccifer 2.0 also communicated with U.S. persons about the release of stolen documents. On or about August 15, 2016, the conspirators posing as Guccifer 2.0 wrote to a person who was in regular contact with senior members of the presidential campaign of Donald J. Trump. That's a big deal. And keep in mind that that doesn't say that is a campaign official. However, the way Donald Trump's campaign worked from the beginning, and I'm believing, I'm starting to believe that it was done this way on purpose. People like Roger Stone, who were with the campaign for a time and then had a falling out, but continued to work on behalf of Donald Trump and his candidacy. Corey Lewandowski was there for a time, had a falling out, was fired, and continued to work gleefully on behalf of Donald Trump and his candidacy. Mm -hmm. Paul Manafort was there for a time, had a falling out, was fired, continued to work gleefully on behalf of Donald Trump and his candidacy. Mm -hmm. These are all people who have plausible deniability to say, oh, I'm not with the campaign anymore, but they were. I believe that those individuals named in that paragraph 44, number 44 in this 29-page indictment, that one of those dudes will be, maybe all of those dudes, less likely Cor Lewandowski, but they will be named. They will be a part of this. Because who else has direct communication, regular communication with, how do they put it, high-level staff, with contact with senior members of the presidential campaign of Donald J. Trump? We're going to find out. The other very alarming thing, which lets me, which really leads me to believe that this camp, that the, this Republican Party is tainted, is poisoned, is the fact that an unnamed congressman, an unnamed elected member of Congress, sought documents 
sought stolen documents, dirt, on their opponents from Guccifer 2.0, who we now know to be a Russian operative, a government employee, someone doing the bidding of Vladimir Putin. And welcome back. We're taking a deeper look at the indictment of 12 Russian military intelligence officers, including a very curious part of the indictment, how describing how one candidate for U.S. Congress reached out to a fake persona that the Russian intelligence officers had created, uh, and that congressional candidate reached out in order to try to get dirt on his or her opponent, which the Russian intelligence officers provided. CNN's Dana Bash is with me now to talk about this. Uh, the person is unnamed. The understandable focus of this indictment is on uh, what the Russians were trying to do to and, and about the DNC and about the DCCC. And now we know the state and local election boards. But in this indictment, as you mentioned, there is also something that looks and smells a whole lot like collusion, not on the presidential level, but on the congressional level. And I'll read you uh, what this part says. It says on or about August 15th, 2016, the conspirators posing as Guccifer 2.0 received a request for stolen documents from a candidate for the U.S. Congress. The the conspirators responded using the Guccifer 2.0 persona and sent the candidate stolen documents related to the candidate's opponent. So this candidate asked what we now know is a Russian intelligence operative for information about his or her opponent and then got it. Received it. Received it and presumably didn't just sit on it. It probably used it in some way, shape or form, although this indictment does not say that. Now, it says U.S. candidate uh, for Congress. We don't know who it is. There is a mad scramble to find out. But we are also um, assured. We should should point out that um, we don't know if this candidate was successful. We don't know if this person is in the House of Representatives or not. Correct. We don't know any of that. But what is... um, the, the the informed opinion of those who are reading this, and you can uh, confirm this, is that it's it's impossible to imagine this graph being in this indictment and there not being some follow-up down the road. So riddle me this. Under what circumstance? Give me a scenario. Answer me this question. How in the fiddling fuck... Does a congressman know to go to some random donkey dick on the internet and ask for dirt on their opponent mm-hmm. with hopes that they'd get it? You know who I didn't have communication with? This congressman. He didn't come to me and say, hey, uh, at Dollamore, can you give me some dirt on my opponent? Mm-hmm. This person went to Guccifer knowing that there was likelihood they would get dirt back, that they would have dirt. I think that this congressman, whoever they are, is fucked. Mm-hmm. Because this is, at the very least, this is getting an in-kind contribution. So this is a, a campaign finance violation. At the very least, that's what it is. And at the very most, which I, I assume this is going to end up being prosecuted... This is treason. This is going to a hostile foreign power. The employees of the intelligence agency of a hostile foreign power to benefit your campaign, to get reelected. This also tells you who Russia's rooting for. 
Russia's yeah. rooting for the Republicans. I think the important thing to remember here is that Donald Trump continues to call this investigation a witch hunt, despite the fact that there continue to be indictments. 191. We continue to learn new information about election interference. And remember, Watergate was a four-year investigation. Okay, we are more than a year into this investigation. We already have all of this. Yeah. Okay. Um, as it continues, it's only going to get worse. Donald Trump knows that, or I suspect he does. And that's why he is trying so hard to ensure that everyone believes that this is a witch hunt. And unfortunately, the people who believe that are not reading this document, are not paying attention. Um, turn off Judge Janine and yeah. uh, re- yeah. read this indictment. The other thing is, and this is, we're going to end with this. There's a woman on CNN who worked for the the security the national security apparatus in the Obama administration. Her name is Samantha Vinograd. And this is prior to the outrageous, disgraceful surrender performance that Donald Trump put on with Vladimir Putin this morning. Calling Donald Trump, and now even Tammy Duckworth is saying something to this effect. That Donald Trump is an asset of the Russian government. With regards to all the reporting that's been done about Trump's views of Putin and views of Russia, Samantha Vinograd, what do we know for sure about what he's walking into? What do we know for sure about Trump's attitude? Well, what we definitely know is that Trump and Vladimir Putin actually have a few things in common when it comes to the media. Both of them happen to be propaganda machines. They spread misinformation, disinformation, and so divisions uh, in the United States. That's Russia's mission, we know, from the intelligence community. And Donald Trump has proven himself to be a tool, a Russian tool, for spreading that misinformation and disinformation. But we have to remember that Vladimir Putin has the upper hand when it comes to the media around this Helsinki summit. Remember, Vladimir Putin and the Russian government control most media within Russia. Russia is ranked 148th when it comes to press freedom. So we know that Vladimir Putin is going to be controlling the message out of Russian media. And we also know that the Russian government has very successfully manipulated social media to help spread the messages that they're seeking to get out. So Putin definitely has the upper hand in that respect. And he's also going to try to make Trump into a media maven because he knows that President Trump loves being in the spotlight and that when President Trump is in front of the cameras, he goes off script. He undermines uh, the U.S. government. And again, he helps to spread Russia's messages. I wonder what it means, if anything, that Putin has selected Fox's Chris Wallace uh, to sit down with, to have an exclusive conversation after the meeting. Uh, It seems like Putin knows to go to Fox. But at the same time, Wallace is a really tough interviewer. Exactly. But he knows that Fox is the president's preferred outlet and he knows how to play his asset. And Donald Trump, either wittingly or unwittingly, is an asset of the Russian government. So if you're Vladimir Putin, you're going into this meeting and you're thinking, "Okay, I have my playbook. I'm going to flatter President Trump. He likes compliments. I'm going to talk to him about conspiracies within the United States. And I'm going to talk about things that he likes and things that he trusts, like Fox News. Imagine if Putin had said, no, I'm going to go give an interview to CNN or MSNBC. President Trump's spine would have been up. He would have been worried that Putin was going to say something that he didn't like. 
This way, President Trump is incredibly comfortable going into this meeting. And to use President Trump's words from a few days ago, he's mm. easy. President Trump is an easy target. That is remarkable. And now it's being, and we're going to do a show maybe tonight, either that or tomorrow morning on this this entire bullshit that went on today, breaking down the, their joint press conference. But to call the president of the United States of America. And Donald Trump, either wittingly or unwittingly, is an asset of the Russian government. An asset of the Russian government is a terrifying and remarkable thing to say, especially for the fact that she's not wrong. Well, and Senator Tammy Duckworth issued a statement, like you said, and this is how she ended it, um, based on the uh, joint press conference with Putin and Trump. Quote, today's events are yet another example of Donald Trump's feckless leadership on the world stage. Republicans in Congress cannot continue to turn a blind eye toward the very real possibility that Vladimir Putin has compromised our commander in chief and turned him, perhaps without his knowledge, into a Russian asset. That isn't normal. And I don't mean it's not normal to have a president who's an asset. I mean it's not normal for a sitting U.S. senator to say that in public. The reason it's not normal is because we're never, we've never been in this position in the past. We've never had a, a, a president who didn't have the best interest of our country at heart. Whether you agree with the direction they brought the country, whether you agree with the policy decisions they made, I believe they always had it in their heart of what was best. We don't have that anymore. We have a president who is most certainly compromised in some way, whether it be financially or otherwise, compromised by a hostile foreign power, a historic enemy of the United States of America. We talked about it last episode about NATO. What to what end, what benefit would it be for the United States to not be in NATO? There is none. The benefit is to Russia. What benefit would there be for Donald Trump to try to slyly get Macron and Theresa May to leave the EU, effectively crippling the EU? There would be no benefit for the United States. The benefit would be for Vladimir Putin and Russia. Donald Trump, some are saying unwittingly, I believe it is not unwittingly. I believe he is making a conscious decision. He has allowed himself. He has no choice but to be an agent of a hostile foreign power. We usually like to leave you on a good note, on a happy note, on an upbeat note, but today we are not. <laughs> We love you guys. We appreciate you. We will be back very soon with a with episode 428. We're going to be talking about kind of a part two of this with what happened in Helsinki this morning. Um, I expect to see the needle start moving, maybe not seismically re related to the Republicans, but more. There's going to be a tick. It's going to start ticking more in, in our direction relative to agreeing and getting something done. This, it's, we're following the cycle that Watergate happened. Republicans were all on board. Nobody believed it with, with Nixon. And slowly but surely, public opinion started to change. 
There's no way to deny what we're witnessing here. Unless you're a MAGA American. Unless you are a brainwashed moron. But that's okay. Because up until this point in American history, 240 some years, brainwashed morons have not run the system. They don't run the country. So we're going to leave you. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining us today and every day that you choose to spend your time with us. If you'd like to support the show and Patreon.com is not your thing, it is Amazon Prime Day. And if there's been things you've been looking for, wanting to get, but holding out for a good deal, today would be the day, tomorrow would be the day. Go to dollamore.com slash Amazon, and that'll redirect you. You don't have to do anything. It just redirects you to Amazon. Um and puts our little our little token, our little our little code in there in your browser, so we get a little commission off your sale. You don't pay any more, and if you're gonna spend your money there anyway, why not help support your favorite show filled with news, news, and ridiculous comment? That would be us. We'd also love to hear from you moving this conversation forward. We want to know what you think, whether it be about our earlier listener communication. Uh, from Jonathan or Wayne or David or Crystal or Janet, all of that. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email those voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We will see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore. This has been I Doubt It. I, by the way, I'm a dentist. <laughs>